Hey everyone, my name is Todd Schmink, and welcome to the From the Couch, where I dive into a variety of mental health topics designed to give you greater insight into how your mind works so that you will have greater psychological flexibility. Hey everybody, thanks for joining me today. I'll be doing a question and answer series on anxiety. Uh, this is of course on my channel, wellnesstalks.org. I'm doing this through Prezi. So um, in the future, if you are interested in this, you can just send me a message via my, my website, www.toddschmink.com. And that way you can get involved when I do this in the future. Uh, right now I got about, about a dozen of you guys that are online right now. And I want you to do is just go ahead and shoot me your questions. We've only got a certain amount of time. I'll do my best to answer them for you right here and right now. Uh, of course, if I get more questions than uh, I thought, then we can, I'll, I'll circle back and give quick videos for those after the fact. In other words, I'll just keep this going even after this is no longer live. Um, also, given the extent of the time that we've had allotted today, 45 minutes, I'm going to probably cut this into smaller segments, just uh, 15 minutes each. So it'll be part one, two, and three of this uh, answer, question and answer um, session. So I don't want to waste a whole lot of our time getting into this. Uh, just in the future, just remember to check back on wellnesstalks.org to see. I'm going to try to run a few of these more so I can answer your questions directly. So uh, the first one was from Mary, and she was asking, how is it that our minds focus on negative thoughts more easily than positive thoughts. Well, Mary, if you remember, or if you go and look at a few of my other videos, you know, what's the number one job of the mind? Well, the job of our mind is trying to keep us alive. And what that actually breaks down into in our day-to-day -day, you know, routines is paying attention to problems, things that may actually cause some type of issue when it comes to that existential staying alive. So the mind is geared, and we need it to do this. We absolutely must have this. It's a, it's a crucial and useful tool most of the time. Now, what I think you're actually noticing is that we have a tendency to constantly slide there. And if we constantly are having bigger issues that we have to deal with all the time, then we're almost beginning to train the mind to only look for negatives, to watch out for that next big one. But, you know, we don't pay attention then to the good stuff in life, which is also why I have a few videos on here that are dealing with the uh, gratitude type practices, positive psychology type practices, looking at places in our life where things are actually working, so solution-focused solution type practices. These are important. These help to counteract or to balance the equation. Yes, we need to pay attention to the negative stuff, but we should also be grateful and look at all the things that are going good for us. Now, the other thing that people will notice is that there's a, an emotional cue when there's a lot of negative components coming at us. And if you rem keep in mind that emotions are pretty much just a prediction system. So part of what our emotions do is kind of give us a heads up, a strong alert, hey, this is, this is a problem that needs to be solved right now, such as you give a bill or you get a bill and they're gonna cut off your electric in three days. There's a sense in your body a prediction that you're going to lose your electricity and it's strong because 
there's a strong likelihood if you do not pay that bill that it's going to be harder that you're going to have some difficult issues you're not going to be as comfortable i don't think you have to worry about not existing but if it's the middle of winter time that could be a big problem and it'll lead to a whole slew of other problems trying to stay alive now as you also might all remember emotions also tend to become strong when we're not moving in a direction that makes our life meaningful that is if we have a certain set of values that are in place that's, that are important to us and we're not moving in that direction that can also cause emotional pain once again it's a predictor that i'm not moving in a direction that matters to me i'm not moving in a direction that will be important in the long run will make my life meaningful in the long run so i, I hope that answers that question that why the mind typically wants to focus uh, when it on the negatives and tends to just overlook the positives because well in a nutshell the positives aren't going to take us out they're not going to end our lives and so the mind is focusing on things that might just do that so i've got one here from it looks like uh this is from mike and it's uh what is the most common source of anxiety I think for every single person, that's going to be a little bit different. So I don't know that I can answer that one across the board. Every single person is going to have uh, different genetic makeup, different life experiences, um, different things that have happened to you up to this point. And depending on how sensitive we are, the genetics again, um, how we've been taught to deal with it, the rules and the tools that we have to handle such a thing, this is obviously going to be different, probably completely different for just about everybody. However, I would actually argue that just being alive is a potential source for anxiety and being alive is a source for anxiety. Now, this almost suggests that how do we get rid of it? Because if I can figure out what the sources are, then I can avoid those sources. And I'd say, well, we should probably give up the notion that that's even possible and that we would even want to because in order to give up sources of anxiety and or to just not have anxiety at all i think you're actually suggesting i'm giving up life in general because life is anxiety there's always going to be a certain level of unknowns hence anxiety we're trying to predict we're trying to get ready for things that may cause us issues this actually ties back not to not too far off from what Mary was asking as well, why do we focus on the negatives? It ties back to that basic existential, I exist and so therefore I need to worry about things that are going on around me. Now, depends on also how you de define anxiety. Anxiety in and of itself is kind of a combination of both stress, the actual physical things that we're feeling, and worry, like our minds control, thinking about what's coming at us. But on a, and in another way to think about this is, on a scale of zero, no anxiety at all, to 10, I need hospitalization, medication, whatever. Uh, the average human existence is about a three, two or a three on that scale. There are, there's always something for us to be worried about. There's always something for us to be planning for. So to try to eliminate that altogether, well, as I always joke with friends, family, and even some of the, like, the patients that I work with, the only folks I know that don't have any issues with anxiety reside at the top of my street. At the top of my street is a graveyard, or as we say in act, only corpses have no 
anxiety. So part of it is, is are you willing to accept that there's almost always going to be certain sensations, that, that emotional system giving us an alert that there may be an issue that we need to take into account. Now, this also could be, again, getting to work on time, um, having groceries in the house, cleaning up the house. How, what does so-and-so think of me? What am I supposed to do with this? So it's just never ending. Um, another one of my videos, I talk a little bit about having 88 problems. There will always be problems because as soon as we solve one, another one pops up that's just how reality, nature works. To get completely away from it, you'd almost have to lock yourself into a cabin somewhere in the middle of nowhere. But I would bet that might be good for the first day or two, but after a couple of days, that anxiety would return. Where am I going to get my water from? Where am I going to get my food from? So lots of different sources out there, but I think if we play with this question and turn it around and really look at why we're asking such a question, um, and then working to become more psychologically flexible so that we can just be like, oh yeah, this is, this is just life. This is, this is, this is going to be there and really focusing on what matters. It's the values work. The values work really pulls people through. I've seen it over and over again with a lot of my patients. The values work is actually what guides us through these difficult moments. So I've got one then from, from Andrew, looks like. What effects does prolonged anxiety have on the body? So as we talked about, I just mentioned a moment ago, if we break anxiety down into its two components, worrying, that's the mind just kind of chewing on something over and over and over again, and the stressors. Well, the mind can actually cause some of those stressors. The mind, if we get too heavily into it, can cause issues. So the, the effects of a prolonged exposure to that kind of a situation does cause changes. I think you mean physiologically in the body. It does elevate blood pressure. It can bring up the heart rate. It can cause sweatiness. It can cause an upset stomach, um, possibly even having a hard time sleeping. So the longer we go with anxiety issues and we don't try to do something about that, then yes, there is some, these are some of the effects prolonged uh, anxiety can have. Um, the the DSM-5s, the way we, they have us look at an anxiety issue is if it's been longer than six months. And then what I've also seen in like a grand scheme of things is this, let's just say that you do have an anxiety issue or you have a stressful situation and you don't adjust and become more psychologically flexible, that can then proceed to a, a generalized anxiety disorder. And if that's not addressed, then it slowly becomes like OCD. We try, we try to control everything. We try to escape from everything. And then we cause all kinds of extra problems that are rooted back at that original uh, issue, uh, that original anxiety issue. So the effects can become more and more and more so. And then maybe you utilize things like smoking and drinking and eating or you know, just uh, really long runs that you're just trying to escape, avoid control, the sensations as well. Some of these could be coping mechanisms, but if we rely on those coping mechanisms too much, I would argue that you're actually, once again, escaping from uh, or avoiding or trying to control anxiety, make it go away. And so in the long run, the drinking, the smoking, and so on, well, it's, it's without saying that that'll absolutely have a physiological effect. It will have an effect on the body, which is why it's important to learn mindfulness techniques to help you to diffuse from the thoughts, to 
to become more um, aware of what's going on in your body, a somatic awareness, and working with a therapist, working with belonging to um, a, a social group, belonging to a spiritual group, a, a church community, and and exchanging back and forth and and helping you to take those perspectives and be more flexible, so that we can actually cause um, a better or shift in the body. So I hope that answers that question when it comes to like, what are some of the physical effects it can have. Now from Ashley, yeah, Ashley, she was asking, uh, what does anxiety actually feel like? Well, I think I just described that again in that last question, but it can. This is a full range of different things that can show up. It can be as slight as just tension in the side of the the, the head, uh, tension in your back. I mean, you could pay attention to right now as you're listening to this as you're as you're watching your questions up on the screen here where do you feel tension and a lot of times when i'm working with somebody they they know exactly where it shows up oh it happens right here or i get it right between the eyes or my throat starts to seize up or my chest is heavy so all of those if we can describe it showing up in your body that's how anxiety would feel now accompany that with physiological symptoms the rapid heart rate You'd feel, you might actually be able to feel that. It's like pounding in your head or pounding throughout your body. Um, heat. So to, most people tend to become warmer when they're dealing with anxiety and stress. Although some people talk about their extremities becoming incredibly cold. So it does move back and forth. This is the, the uh, autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic nervous system. Once those things are activated, fight, flight, and freeze, there's definitely some associations or, some, or feelings that go with anxiety. And of course, all the way up to panic attack, where you feel like I'm going to die, the heart attack or something's happening, stroke, you're not sure, but then the fear builds on top of the fear and there's more pressure on the body. It ties back to the body and then sometimes the mind just keeps going after it, trying to solve a problem it can't solve and we get wrapped up into that, which is where something like diffusion, I'm noticing that I'm thinking whatever your thought happens to be gives us that space, that breathing room, so that it's possible then for us to get away from uh, and slow everything back down and bring in the, um, the parasympathetic nervous system. This you know, allows everything to begin to balance itself back out. So when it comes to different sensations, once again, there's a pretty wide variety of ways this can affect us, but I hope that that answered that question. Thank you.